So for those of you who don't know, we did uh, us as role-playing degenerates. We went up to the Chicago Fan Expo for the first time um, as a group, and it was a lot of fun. Although we were kind of disappointed because we were expecting to see a lot of D&D, Dungeons & Dragons stuff, Critical Role stuff. We did not see any of that. Emily, did you see very much when you were there? No, I did not. There were only, I think, about two dice tables, like in the Artist Alley area, because that's really all I could get to. Um, But no, and every time I go to one, I look for critical role art, and I did not see any, which was a huge disappointment. Um, But I found you. (laughs) Yeah, it was kind of weird. We we talked to, most people we talked to D&D about saw some of us with our shirts, our D&D shirts on. And um, mm-hmm. they like stop us today. You play D and D, and it was most most people in um, in the artist alley or, or whatever you call it because I'm not too familiar. Um, and then some people just walking by, so it was kind of strange. And there was only one box mocking a painting or art, and I got it. But it was yeah, it was it was ill represented. I felt like I know for how big the the fan base is at this one in particular, I was very surprised on the on just the lack of fan art there was. Yeah. So, um, do you play D and D now? Um, I do not. Um, so, well, not yet. Not yet is the important term. Um, I have definitely like gotten super engrossed in it. Um, I now have the books. I now have dice. I am ready. Um, but uh, I'm a little late to the to the game. So, but my friends and I are planning to do one when I get back to DC, which is where I'm from. So, or where I currently live. Um, so I know a lot about it um, now, and I know a lot about Critical Role. Yeah, so how'd you get started with D&D? You haven't necessarily played yet, but how'd you get started with the culture and the game itself? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, um, I'm a, I have a degree in scenic designing uh, mm-hmm. for the theater. Um, and so uh, one of my shows I did last year um, or last spring, I think it was, um, is a show called How uh, She Kills Monsters. I don't know if you've heard of it. No. Um, but it, it's, a, it's a play about Dungeons and Dragons, which is one of the coolest things. Um, and uh, it's super good. It was, so I was designing for this, and the show is about um, a young girl whose little sister is super into Dungeons and Dragons, but her older sister doesn't understand what she what why she's into it you know anything about it because her sister is fully like you know like the popular kid you know yeah um and her and her sister is a little nerd um but then her family gets in a horrible car accident and loses her family so then she rediscovers her sister through her uh little sister's um dungeon master manual um notebook and so she goes on this epic adventure with um with like a version of her little sister through the storytelling of Dungeons and Dragons. So they go and they fight. The final battle is with Tiamat. Um, wow. And it's super good. You should super read it. Um, it's, it's excellent, especially because I think, you know, Dungeons and Dragons is a way for, is one in one way, a way for people is to escape their current circumstance. Yeah. Um, and so it's a lot, it's a lot about that. It's a lot about loss and the, and reconnecting. And then, um, the older sister becomes a huge Dungeons and Dragons fan. Um, and, 
and continues on from there. So that's how I really like learned about it. So when I had to design for this show, I have to do a bunch of research. And that's how I was like, okay, well, I'll dive into Dungeons and Dragons. And so I started doing a bunch of research and I designed the set based off of a Dungeon Master screen um, because there's many out there that are just super beautiful and wooden and engraved. And um, and so the whole back of the set was the the screen. And then I did the floor based off of a dice tray and kind of had this arena look to it. um, And it was it was super awesome. And so that's how I got introduced. And that is how I also received my first dice set because my friend that I was working with gave it to me at the end of the the Wow. Okay. So there's two things I want to say here. One, (laughs) say that that is, so it's a play, but is it also a book? It is not a book. It's just a play. Okay. And it's called She Kills Monsters. She Kills. I got like chills when you're describing that. It's like. Such a good D and D story. She kills. Sorry, I have I have to write it down, even though I can replay this. Yeah. I guess, but um, so uh, you should it, any any person should read it. It's it's I'm super good. It. That story good. just sounds amazing. <laughs> wow, yeah, that's crazy. It's super it kind fun. Of my mind. It's funny. Um, there's bugbears that they fight and yep. uh, co- cobalt and yep. um. Uh, the Beholder is one of them. Yes. Um, and it's really the thing that my friends would send when I was, you know, posting pictures about this who played Dungeons and Dragons. They just never, one of my friends said they never thought they would be able to see, like, I had a D20 dice up on there and they just were like, I never thought I'd be able to see that on stage, you know? So that was pretty cool. And it represents a lot of people and their interest. Yeah, I know for a fact I'm gonna cry when I when I watch that or see that. I know for a fact. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But but uh, another thing I want to talk about is I'm redesigning my garage right now. Okay. To, to look more <laughs> like a dungeon. Um. I okay. suck. I suck at it. Bad. So is okay. there any way you could help me out with that? Oh, of course I can. I absolutely love decorating. Obviously. <laughs> I, I like can't figure out what looks good, and every time I try, I just know it doesn't look good. And I'm just like, man, I really want this to be good. But um, for everyone watching this, just like, go, go ahead. Sorry. What what type of uh, dungeon do you want? Do you want like lots of? Do you want it to be like an alchemist dungeon? Mm, or that's cool. I didn't even think or, about that. I wanted one side to look like a tavern, and one side <laughs> to look like a uh, okay. A, uh, a one side looked like an inside of a cavern. So a tavern okay. with a T and a cavern with a C. Um, yep. But now that you said but the alchemicus can... thing, now it sounds really cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You can do a lot of really cool things for in a dungeon. And you can make it a dungeon cavern or dungeon cavern cavern. Yeah. Dungeon... Um, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, so for everyone watching this, because I have we have so many people that like TikTok creators and everything that we always talk about like How'd you design your room and stuff? Uh, I'm saying it first here. Uh, Emily is going to design everything for us. We're going to start a new side business, and she's going to design. Uh, it's going to be a part of her business, is designing dungeons for all those players to play in. I would love that. Like It's just like um, uh, the Critical Role set that yes. they currently have for uh, yeah. C3. Yep. Beautiful. I'm like, I can do that. Because technically, that's what I do. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I was like, 
Yeah, and it was the most fun designing. Um, cause I did, like, the second level of the set was the Dungeon Masters, you know, kind of cave. So I did, like, this whole, like, stone on the wall and shelves with books and, you know, and potions and things. So, yeah, mm. I love it. Dang it. Now, we're going to talk after this because I've had, like, troubles. I was like, maybe I can use foam and paint it to look like stone because it's really expensive. But I was like, man, I can't really mm -hmm. find a good stone alternate. And I have, like, sample pieces. We'll talk after this. But if it looks good, we're going to put it all over our social media. And we're going to tell everyone to hire you <laughs> as a designer for Dungeons. Okay. Perfect. All right. That sounds perfect. <laughs> okay. So let's talk about Critical Role. Um, okay. I'm a huge fan of Critical Role. I talk about it all the time. But the one thing that I love about Critical Role is, um, for example, I started playing D&D &D and then I found out about a Critical Role and I started watching it and my wife started watching it in the background and all of a sudden she started watching Critical Role and now she's playing a session with us and all of our wives in, in RPD are playing our sessions with us and half of them have seen Critical Role. What is it about Critical Role that like captivates people? I think it's mostly, um, and they talk about this, but I think it's honestly mostly the storytelling. And um, it's also a way to, it's almost, I like to compare it to an audiobook, but a better audiobook. <laughs> um, just because, uh, you know, the descriptions are so um, detailed and in depth, and um, it just immediately draws you in. And they're so committed, and you're just, you want to be there with them and you want to go on this journey with them. And then to me, it's just mainly on the, the storytelling and the fact that you can really tell that they're all just really good friends and having a good time and um, able to make jokes and um, tease each other. And so it's very, very heartwarming and mm -hmm. um, enticing and, uh, and just a super, super creative. So, yeah, as a creative, I just absolutely love it. Yeah, it's it's funny how that group can, and I talk about this all the time about having good groups in D&D, &D, but it's funny how that group can have just as much fun, like, rolling terribly in a tavern, as yeah. they, and, and also have just as much fun fighting a dragon. You know, it's, yeah. it's just so fun to watch them do literally anything, even the shopping episodes. Like, I'm, like, enthralled <laughs> watching the shopping episodes, which most people consider are boring, but they, they're they so creative. Oh. It sounds so cool. Yeah, I love them. I love them. And then you have, you know, the, the Travis who hates shopping, which was why some things are absolutely hilarious to others who love shopping. So you have, you know, the people who are really into it and the people who aren't so into it. But then they're like, how can I make this interesting? And it's just that improv, yes, and um, that they that they do so well. Yeah, they do. They do do it really well. Um, speaking of improv, did you I know you were working at, at the Fan Expo and we'll talk about that in a second. But did you get a chance to see any of the D&D improv that was going on there? The panel that the Quest Bros did? No, unfortunately, I couldn't escape my table, but um, yes. I did hear about it through you guys. So. Um, but I know of it. Did you go? Yeah, uh, we went. Um, blew us away. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just D and D improv. They pick. They they have like uh, they have four different uh, characters you can be: an antagonist, a fighter, a, a healer, and a wizard. And basically, someone raises their hand, and they get like a ten second audition, and the 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 uh, um, audience chooses who they want to be the part. 
and then it's just improv. They pick a scene, they start, they start going. Um, it was, a, it was amazing. We actually hooked up with the Quest Bros after that, um, and we're gonna play a couple one shots next year at the Fan Expo. So if you want to play, let us know because we have a, a bunch of games going on next year. But it was really cool. So next year, if you ever get a chance, if you go back, I don't know if you're going back, but if you do That's go back um... next year. That sounds incredible. I have to be honest, improv absolutely scares me to death. Um, I am not the actor-ish. I don't have that capability, which is why D&D a little bit scares me, just because of the role-playing. But if you're with friends, I'm not so worried. It can be fine. (laughs) Yeah, it is. There is like a level of nervosity with it, right? Because you're acting, you're kind of like... Everyone I talk to, when we talk about, like, let's play D&D or how'd you get into D&D... It's like, I always thought that was too nerdy for me. Everyone says the same thing. I said it, my wife said it, everyone says it's too nerdy for me. And it's almost like you have to like kind of be a little more vulnerable when you're saying like, mm-hmm. you know, these things. So so are you looking for like the right group or is it a time issue with you right now? No, it's just it's just uh, uh, time. I'm just waiting to get back home. I have my other best friend coming. She's moving back to DC and she's the one who who runs them. So I was like, we're going to do it. And also my brother played, plays, played, but he was eight years older than I am. So we never like crossed paths in that way. Yeah. Um, I knew he played magic, but, um, but I didn't know he played Dungeons and Dragons, but now we've reconnected. And I just learned that he watched, watches Critical Role, which I had no idea. And mm-hmm. so we're going to run a, a one shot for the family at like Christmas time. We thought that would be fun. That is really fun. That's really interesting. Uh, I did I did a podcast with someone. Uh, her name is Bonus Mom on TikTok, but she's a seventy five year old grandmother, and they have a home game. And it's she's her son's the DM. Her husband's a retired preacher. They have her niece and her niece's husband, and they play a home game. And I've always thought like if I could get my family to get into this because it's so weird to to like mm-hmm. my family's like old school, so it's like Dad, I know you were in the Vietnam War, but do you want to play? this game where you pretend to be in a work and you know so i really wanted to happen but at the same time it's like hard to do that um yeah so you- my family luckily is really on board they oh, will awesome. they're like sure because now i talk about it all the time so they're like okay yeah we'll do it and i said okay great we're gonna do it <laughs> okay let's talk about uh, lots of design what is it okay and um how'd you get into it um, okay, so Lasso Design um, is where I make handmade miniature doors and facades, um, mainly replicas off of iconic movies. Um, so I do mostly iconic doors like Jurassic Park, which I have examples here to show. Yeah, no, sure, um, definitely. Okay. Yeah, I would love to see it. Here, okay, here. Okay, the sun is coming in right at a perfect glare. Oh, yeah, I can see it. That's Awesome. Uh, here's Jurassic Park. Duh. Oh, and it lights up. The little sconces, if you can oh, see that in there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I also, let's see, I also, this is one of my favorites. This is Labyrinth. Oh, okay. Yeah. And little knockers. Um, so those are just some of the um, iconic doors. I've got mm-hmm. the big end ones behind me. Um, and this, this goes, this goes way back um to you know being obsessed with um lord of the rings 
um, and all of the special features um, because I was, you know, I've been a behind the scenes girl for forever. So um, I would watch the special features over and over and over again. And it was really the, the bigotures that they do, the miniatures that they made for these movies was just incredible. And I always wanted to work for Weta Workshops. So um, that's how I got into scenic design um, because I wanted to just create worlds. Um, and that's also why I really love Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Um, but um, so that's where it started. And then I went to school for scenic design. And while I was doing that, I had to make a lot of um, models of my shows for the stage. So they're all like quarter inch models of my sets to give to the director to work with. Um, and I always loved model making. Um, and then, uh, due to the pandemic, um, theater was out the window. Um, cause it just didn't exist up for like two years. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this was, this was my way to take my creative energy and do something, um, that I really love. And I love, I love nerd things. I love anything related to that I always have um and I have so much fun making them and I chose doors um mainly because they're just you know they're super iconic I don't do I don't do drawings or people I really work in 3d um and when you look at them you really know what they are um and which movie they come from or which television show and and um so that's kind of how it all began and that's how I got to where I am now yeah, there's there's one thing I kind of want to talk about, and it's really strange. And D and D has this in it, so I love it. But mm-hmm. there's, there's something like super cool about something in miniature scale. And mm-hmm. it's like when you have like, say, you have your Jurassic Park thing on a bookshelf or on a wall. It's like almost like, man, if I just open that little door, is there a whole little world in there? Um, yeah. You see those on Pinterest and you see those on TikTok. Some people like have like a little door and they open it. It's like a whole Lego room inside. What, why is that? Why is that so cool? Like, I think it's amazing. <laughs> oh, I don't know why miniatures are just the coolest. I think because people like tiny things. I think it's just an inherent thing. Uh, human beings just really enjoy tiny things, but it's also, it's very nostalgic. Um, I don't know if it's nostalgic of childhood or what, but my doors, you know, you look at the Jurassic Park gate and you have nostalgia of watching that with your parents or, you know, or just watching it over and over again and, and, um, and things. So I just love miniatures. I don't know exactly what draws people to it, but they're just really cute. They are. Um, there's, there's like a, there's like a, uh, I don't, know, I don't know how you put it. There's like a team Jacob and a team Edward when it comes to uh, <laughs> sure. mini- miniature maps and things like that in D&D. And there's a group, and I'm not hating on them, first of all. Uh-huh. There's a group who's just like, theater of the mind, I don't really want miniatures. Um, I can't do that. I can't do that. Like, for me, no. I literally, like, you can ask my wife, I handcraft the maps. Like, it's nothing like what you have. It's not, but I have to have custom things, custom rock, custom boulders, custom trees. I have to make it. I really want a fog machine to come in. I like to make the scene as best as I can. Um, so naturally, when I saw your stuff, I remember like within like however fast the brain can process a thought is how fast. When I saw your um, designs and stuff, 
I was like, these need to be in D and these need to be a miniature in D and D. Like they need to be doorways. Um, that's the first thing I thought of because there's uh, 3D minis, and I have to have them printed, and I have to paint them myself, or I have to go to Dwarven Forge. And Dwarven Forge, yeah. one Dwarven Forge, I'm not gonna say they're expensive because they're worth the price. But the second thing mm -hmm. is, it's like Dwarven Forge and uh, Dungeon Tiles, are like the only two people making that high of quality. So everyone kind of has right. it. You know what I mean? So right. the first thing I thought of when I saw your stuff is I was like, this is like right in. This is like something. I would like to see more of it. Like I love your doors. I love everything. But, like instantly, I was like, man, there's something here. Where I feel like you can make things for D and D and people would buy it. Uh, yeah, you said like make uh, doors based on terrain, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I was like, yes. Speaking of, I made this one just for this moment. Whoa. Um, here's one. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Okay, the sun is just so in my way. Let's see. Can you see this? Yeah, that is amazing. Wow. It's a Dungeons and Dragons themed door um, because what's more iconic because you can't get through them. Um, mm -hmm. And I got a little lock, and then it, it says party proof because, again, you can't make it through. But I made this one, and it also I it lights up. This one's pretty big. This one goes in, like, the other thing. But I could totally downscale that. make smaller ones. Are, is, that yeah, a, totally. is, that, is that a one-for-one one piece, or are you going to start selling that on Etsy? Uh, no, I'm going to start selling this one on Etsy. There you go. So it'll, it'll be up uh, next weekend. Awesome. That is so cool. That, that's a, literally, I can't believe you made that. That's literally exactly what I was talking about. Because yeah. you have you have to make, you can use something called Skinny Minis, which is a picture, and it's, it's in resin. And it's cool. Like, they're, like, they're like little pieces. They're cool. Um, or you have to have a full-scale, like, uh, like, wall terrain thing. And mm -hmm. like I said, everyone has the walls and terrains out there. So, like, you're yeah. doing something new, and yours is, like, way more detail, way more high quality. I think you should... I think after this, um, all right, you should start doing do more of it. Awesome, yeah. yeah. I I just I just ordered my first figurine again. I'm just getting ready for that game I'm going to play in the future. Yeah. Um, but I ordered my first uh, little figurine. So when she gets here, um, I will scale the door to the correct size for that, and then yeah, do map doors. Um, I could do well. Yeah, I could do mostly doors and and some other things as well i mean so. i think you could do doors you can do walls walls is like what people don't understand in D D is is when they're making stuff is walls is the biggest hurdle as a dungeon master making the mat is super easy making rocks making trees it's all super easy making walls mm -hmm. is a hurdle i think you would, i think you would do really well just making uh, just like it's like a 3d wall like you're doing like your stuff stands up obviously so you just keep doing that over and over i think you could do that pillars pillars like rock pillars like yeah you, there's a bunch of stuff you could do that would be amazing um but as soon as i saw your art i was like oh sh this is like it just clicked right away like this has to be in D because it's it's the thing in between like the dwarven forge sets and like skinny minis it's like it's like the thing yeah that i think you need <laughs> um so let's talk about your character because you said you've created one. Oh, okay, sure. How did <laughs> how how did that creation process go? And what's going through your mind is like, okay, I want to play this character. Um, what's going through your mind when you're picking the character, and what are you going to be uh, racing class? Okay. Um. Well, I wanted to start off not with a spellcaster 
just not that I don't have other spellcasters in mind because I do like honestly really I've created like five to six characters um because it's really fun and again super creative and uh and each one I think the thing too is like each character takes on a different uh you know part of your personality so for me it was just really fun to like which one do I want to do but um the first one so the mini that I'm getting um she is a human um fighter I chose fighter um because I've been super inspired by um Orem and then um I'm watching the first season of uh Critical Role so uh knowing how many you know shots Percy can take yeah. <laughs> so I was like sure why not also what do like I was like what do I like the most right now or or of my background or whatever and I absolutely love Vikings I always have always will my logo is you know a Nordic symbol um so I really wanted to go in uh that direction so she she's very two weapon wielding uh hand axes um uh and she has I chose red hair like myself (laughs) (laughs) um um, and, uh, yeah, so that is, and her name is Fiora. Fiora. That's awesome. Fiora. Um, oh, Fiora. Sorry. Um, no, S-T-I-O-R-R-A. Fiora. Fiora. Yeah. I can't speak. Um. If you watch The Last Kingdom, it's from that. Okay. I really like, I really like that name. There's two things I was going to say. One, have you seen The Northmen? Not yet. Not yet. It's on the list. Yeah. I can't believe. I know. I'm a huge Vikings fan, and I have not seen it. I've seen most of Vikings, um, and I've seen all of The Last Kingdom, which is an excellent show. It's one of my favorite shows ever. You um, know, I've, ne- I've never seen The Viking, but like now that you say that, the lead actress in it, you look strikingly similar to her. To Legatha, right? Isn't that her name? Uh, probably. I think uh, that's her name. Okay, yeah. <laughs> um, I've only seen like clips of it, but like as soon as you said that, I was like, hey, you kind of look like her. Um, yeah, my friend, you know, I always say that I come from Nordic, you know, Scandinavian descent, obviously, with the fair skin and hair and everything. So, um, yeah, so I just took that info and put that into her character. Yeah. And she's, she's a lot more confident and, and, you know, just she's a lot more confident than I am, <laughs> which is great. Um, well, that's surprising because, I mean, obviously you're out there, um, you're taking your stuff to the fan expo where you're meeting people, talking to people. So that, that's like a social, that's a social thing that, you know, not, you know, pretty outgoing people would do. Let's talk about that process for a second. Um, cause you're in Washington, DC. That's where you're from originally, correct? Yes. That's where I currently live. I'm from Wisconsin, the oh, Milwaukee okay. area, like growing up and yeah. such, but I live. I live in Washington DC. Okay, so how do you end up in Fan Expo Chicago? Are you just are you just con hopping for lack of a better term? Uh, yes, I was con hopping. So um I did Awesome Con in DC. Um and then um because my family lives here in Milwaukee, um I decided to kind of like a Midwest tour. So I looked at a bunch of cons that were in the Midwest. Um so I've did Fan Expo Chicago, and then I went down to St. Louis, and then I have one coming up in Madison. 
So I'm spending like about three months here at home. Okay. So what's your experience been with the cons? Um, good. Awesome Con was really great. Um, it went super well. Fan Expo Chicago for me as a seller was slower. Um, and a little bit harder. Uh, and I think, you know, everything depends on where they put you, um, where the crowd flow is. Um, and if people are buying or not, I noticed that in Chicago, a lot more people weren't, um, buying, whereas in DC, they just were, but I think that could be the culture of DC. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, um, and then, and then I did pretty well in St. Louis. So, but Chicago, since it was four days, I think people, you know, spread their buying over four days or wait till the very end. Yeah. Um, especially there for all four days. So we got with some of the, the creators or, you know, people who were selling stuff in the, uh, the artist alley, I think is what it was called. Mm-hmm. Um, and yep. everyone, and it was strange because the artist alley where I got this, where I got all my stuff basically, um, was like popping for us and the RPD. We were like loving. We kept going back there. We kept bringing our friends back there. Um, we kept talking to everybody in that area. Knew everyone in that area knew about D and D. But all the 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 people uh, the sellers there, all the vendors, for lack of a better term, they all said they hated the idea that an artist alley was separate from the regular floor. Was that your experience too? Yes, at Fan Expo, it was really hard to like some artists made it onto that main floor um but uh, most of the artists were back in that like corner um and a lot of them now i got lucky that i my row was on the way to the snacks um so i had pretty good position even back there but i know that some artists just like packed up and left and didn't come back on sunday um just because people people weren't making it um back that far because um, I think you know a lot of people there's the pull towards the um, like the exhibitors um, area mm-hmm. which took up a lot of that main floor area mm-hmm. and then um, there just wasn't good traffic back to that to the right you know area yeah yeah the, everyone said that that we talked to that was back there but um we stayed back there for most of the three. We stayed there for three days, and we were back there. I don't know, probably six hours total, just hanging out with people and talking to people. Um, so when you created your your character, some people some people always say like uh, it's either completely different from yourself or it's a piece of yourself that you don't show, <laughs> and you're putting it into the the game. What'd you do? Did you did you create someone you said they're more outgoing? Was that something you would like to be, or how did you create your character? I definitely would have to if you know especially if because I haven't played and for my first time playing I would actually want to play somebody a little bit closer to myself um just because I'm also I'm not confident in role playing um and so if I can think as myself generally then but with the more fighter attitude and viking attitude that i can that i've seen on television yeah you know sure i can do that um so that's how i created her and i do think like in each character that i have created 
I definitely push for something like push for one aspect of my personality that I, you know, don't usually, you know, yeah, you don't use or, yeah. or, or, you know, because it's a place, I think it's a place that you can be super confident or a place you can be, um, rude and sassy. I don't know, you know, yeah. like, or just not polite, you know, yeah. I'm like, I feel like I'm polite all the time. Yeah. So, you know what? Fiora, we're not going to be polite. Okay. We're just going <laughs> to do the complete opposite. <laughs> you yeah. know, it, we, we just started a couples campaign where I'm, I'm DMing, but I have, uh, four women and four guys. Um, mm-hmm. and it was, it was funny, like how much the women went like off the rails during the first session where it's like, Oh, these guys are going to be just like straight up barbarians or they played a lot. They're going to do this. And like all the women are like, they're just like, shoot that guy in the dick. We're going to kill that person. We're stealing <laughs> these pearls. You know, we're, we're, you know, messing stuff up. So it was really funny to see like that outlet for all the female players in our group. And it was honestly debauchery personified. Yes. And I think that is where I would also go. So, cause like a lot of creator characters I have in mind are like tricksters. They steal things. Yeah. They're, you know, they're saucy, like, yeah. you know, just like totally not what I can do in my everyday life. So might as well steal things and trick people in D and D. Absolutely. Um, what is your, what is your schedule like right now um my next week is pretty busy but it's pretty flexible especially when it comes to like september i don't have a lot going on it's really funny here for another month really funny you mentioned that um so this is kind of breaking news for everybody who's doesn't know but we're starting a we have a bunch of in-home like in-person campaigns we're starting our online campaign we're looking for players right now Emily, you're more than welcome to jump on if you want. But for those around uh, end, probably September 1st, after October, we're going to start an online campaign. So if you ever wanted to play your character in our campaign, think about it. Um, okay. A lot of sassiness. A lot of sassiness. Um, so, <laughs> I can bring it. <laughs> that, that's, that's awesome. Uh, so far, I don't know if you saw, she was with us at the Fan Expo, another TikToker. Uh, D&D Nerd Girl Chair, she's going to be with us. Um, one of the guys with me, Chris, that you've probably been talking to, he's going to DM it, mm-hmm. and, yep. which is awesome because I'm the, I'm like the forever DM, so I get to play, which is cool. That's great. So, um, everyone saw it here first. Emily will 100% play with us for not taking no for an answer. Um, All right. That sounds good. You know, I probably will. Good. We'll, we'll be you in You have been so lovely. I just like, your community is so welcoming and I just, you know, would be glad to join in wherever I can. That sounds awesome until we're like drunk in a tavern, creating the total mayhem. And then you're going to be like, what did I sign up for? Nope. And I'm going to be on the tabletop and and drinking beer too. So it'll be great. (laughs) That sounds great. Um, So looking at doing the whole con thing and doing the whole travel con situation, are you still, are you still doing designs for theaters? Because kind of COVID's laying back. Are you back in that scene? It sounds like you're traveling. You have a lot of stuff. Right now you're at your original house, uh, kind of going in between con, cons and whatnot. So what has your experience been yeah. con hopping? And are you going back to the theater scene? 
good question. Um, yes, I'm back in the theater world. Luckily, I'm a freelancer, so the amazing thing is is that I can be anywhere um, to design. I only have to be in the theater to do Tech Week, which is only a week before opening. Um, so I'm designing uh, uh, some shows here while I'm in Wisconsin. Um, and then, so I have a show. I'm not doing as many, to be honest. Um, I'm really, really loving my art. Um, and uh, I love traveling around and meeting people. I actually, for someone who is an introvert and doesn't love talking to people. I actually really do enjoy talking to people at the conventions yeah. because you're, you're talking about something you're both very passionate about mm-hmm. um, and excited to share. So um, it makes it very easy. Um, so I have a show coming up in December and then another one in the spring currently, but my feeder load has it. Uh, I got a bunch of shows like right after COVID kind of slowed down. Um, and, but it's still a little slow in the theater world. Um, just slightly slow. Um, but I, I've definitely leaned more towards my art and then being more, um, choosy and more specific about who I want to work with in the theater world. That's interesting. Um, the sun is chasing me. So (laughs) yeah, no, move move as much as you want. Um, oh, you're good. It's, it's interesting. You, you talked about, you, you kind of mentioned it's kind of interesting that you're an introvert, but then when it comes to certain things like talking about a product or talking about uh, nerd culture, you want to talk about it. I've always felt the same way. It's 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 weird. Like when someone says, "Hey, do you want to go have like a dinner party?" And I'm like, "Okay, what are we doing? We're just sitting around talking." I'm like that sounds like the worst thing I could ever do. Period. <laughs> but if someone's like, "Let's go play D and D with the same exact people in the same exact setting," and there's like something to do, I'm like, "That sounds super cool." But the only thing that's changed exactly. is like. Is there like something involved where we can like bond over it? I don't even know how to describe it, but I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yes. Over um, a shared interest is a lot easier. Otherwise, I'm not very social. Yeah. It's it's like weird getting to know people if you're just, even though it's funny, we're just talking right now, but like, again, it has to do with nerd culture, but it's weird to just like talk to someone without like an objective or like a topic or mm-hmm. it's really strange. Yeah. I I was totally like not nervous for this at all, which is very odd for me. But I was like, oh yeah, we're just going to talk about things that I like. Okay, great. You yeah, know, exactly. I was like, that's that's great. Exactly. Um, so you said you were being selective with who you work with. What does that What does that mean? Um, I think in the theater industry, um, you get uh. There's a, I mean, there's many different theaters that you can work with and companies and things like that. Um, but you, when you're in it long enough, um, which I've been graduated for ooh, uh, three, four years now. Um, I mean, there was a pandem- pandemic in the middle of it, but um, from going from going and doing every single show I was offered, um, I just learned about people, about their the. Um, theater company they work for uh, and the stories they tell. So, um, you know, now I'm just, I work with people that I really enjoy working with because it can, it can get a little difficult in the, in the theater industry um, with personalities. Yeah. Uh, surprise, surprise. Um, <laughs> but it's really like about, you know, who I just am more selective and the stories that they tell. So, um, you know, I work, 
I work mainly actually with this theater. Um, they're called Art Centric, and they're in Baltimore. Um, and it's a it's a African American theater run company. And to me, that's very important. Um, and those are the folks that I want to work with, and they're telling the stories that I want to tell because to me, that is what is important and will be fulfilling um, for me. Yeah, that's that's very interesting. And you know, it's it's kind of weird. There's another one of our friends. His name is um, Andy, Mr. Andy DM on TikTok, um, and he's a he's a actor out of Chicago. And he called them theater houses. I don't know if that's a common term, but the theater houses in um, in Chicago all closed down due to COVID. So he jumped on his TikTok in D and D strictly because of that as well. Um, and it's super interesting because. The theater scene individuals, people who are entertainers or super creative like yourself, they like they, they seem to latch on to Dungeons and Dragons. Um, do you think that's because it's just like a good way to express creativity? I think so. And I think it's a way that there aren't any um, boundaries, um, really. Yeah. I mean, like, sure, like the DM can create some boundaries but honestly really there's none yeah, <laughs> so, yeah like your your creative brain can go wherever it wants to go um and even within a, a theater you still have a script and you have a story to tell and it's very specific whereas dungeons and dragons you are on an epic adventure you can go to strange realms that are either like underwater or on the moon who knows yeah. you know so i mean it can be anywhere also it doesn't even have to be in medieval-ish times, you know? Mm -hmm. It could be a Jurassic Park-themed Dungeons & Dragons or something else. So it's, it's, it, what it's done for me is also something from watching Critical Role is it just starts my brain, like, super pumping creativity, and then it's made my dreams incredibly vivid. Like, really? it, like, for some reason, it just really set off, like, I started having the craziest, most epic, like super vivid dreams due to listening to Critical Role, doing to just diving in and starting to really to dream up worlds or dream up ideas that I have. Wow. Mm -hmm. um, so are you having D&D &D dreams like, like with Dungeons and Dragons or just your dreams in general? Well, in general, I generally have pretty epic dreams. Um, so they're not Dungeons and Dragons themed necessarily, but like there's one where, I don't know, I'm like the savior of a lost city on the back of a dragon. And I was like, well, that could be a really good concept for a Dungeons and Dragons campaign, you know? Yeah. I was like, that would be really cool. But those are the t that's the type of dreaming. Wow, that's like, that you, I, must, you might be the most epic dreamer I've heard of. I wonder if it's like oh, some yeah. Viking heritage that has like Epic dreams. Maybe. Could be. You, I just always have. They're super vivid. I've always had crazy epic dreams. Adventure dreams. You know, you know what? The the coolest part about DMing is stealing Matt Mercer's <laughs> dream scenes. Um, yes. The, 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 the art of the dream sessions in D&D &D is like the coolest, almost the coolest part in D&D. Mm-hmm. We had um this... go ahead, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. I was gonna say that we had a we had a new player this last session, it was her very first time playing ever, and she gave me a very heart wrenching backstory. 
Um, and I decided on her very first session ever, she falls asleep, she's a cleric, she has a dream about her sister mm -hmm. dying, and, I, and I'm just playing out this dream like, you know, um, you're not going to let me die, are you? And it's like her dream, and everyone gets to see it, but she's just like, holy shit, this is what a dream is in D&D. It's like, yeah, they're pretty, they're pretty intense, they're pretty cool. Yeah, and they always, I mean, they're super vivid um, and, like, super descriptive and also sometimes super terrifying. So, <laughs> um, or, you know, there's some haunting element to dreams. And I love that idea. I've always loved dream dreams in general and ideas about them and why, you know, what they mean and things like that. So I yeah. love seeing them come to life in, in Critical Role and in stories in general. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with you. I think dreams are super cool. Plus, they're like a good lubricant for like the sleeping session of D and D, where it's so boring. Like, actually, it's the most right. fun part. So it's uh, it's pretty it's right pretty cool. because also one of the highlights has been like the person who because especially in Critical Role when Matt just turns and goes Imogen and her face just goes oh no <laughs> you yeah. know yeah. and you just start to see her sweat and panic and everything so it's that's one of my favorite moments is when he catch catches them off guard yeah like you can't, i can't have one night of good sleep come on yeah <laughs> and it's funny because you'll see like travis travis's face oh it's like always the same he like looks at everybody's like oh you know he's really excited yeah. um, i know because he had he had to go through it with uh the mighty nine constantly oh yes so he's did. like now he's like it's your turn yeah yeah. Well, I think I think for that one, he even had everybody leave the table for Ford's first couple dreams. Mm -hmm. So it's like, holy mm -hmm. shit, what's going on here? And then they do the dream. They come back in like, what happened? And the whole audience knows it was super e epic, you know? Um, yeah. It makes sense, especially for uh, him as a, a warlock. You know, yeah. I think that for everybody to leave the table um, so that they just they don't have any idea of who who's in their head, you know, type of thing. Yeah. Um, Matt, Matt Mercer is the GOAT. I always talk about it all the time. Matt Mercer is so good. He has so many things that he does in the game that are just like, man, how do you think of such creative ways to make it so enticing? And he is like the, he is literally the best at uh, ending a session on a cliffhanger. Oh, yes. And I hate it every time. <laughs> no, you just want to keep playing. Yeah, it's, it's so, so fun. <laughs> I'm like, now I have to wait a week? Come on. Uh, now I have to wait a week because I'm caught, caught up. up? So, <laughs> yeah. so I like legit have to wait a week. Um, I mean, I'm watching campaign one right now, so I don't have to wait a week for those. Yeah. But I'm about to be finished with that. And I'm like, what do I do next? What you do know, I do? I just start campaign two over again? Sure. I, I, <laughs> I've thought about it because... Uh, we I haven't watched campaign one. I know what happens because I've seen the ending. I know everything that happens. Mm -hmm. But I haven't watched campaign one because I got into uh, D and D in Washington D.C., which is crazy enough. Um, That's crazy. It is. We uh, myself, Cisco, and Chris, all the ones you met at the fan expo. We all mm -hmm. met each other because we were in the National Guard together, and we went to Washington D.C. for a detachment for nine months. And that's where we all started playing D and D together. Um, and so I started watching Critical Role at that time, where campaign two was going on. So I just started campaign two, not campaign one. But I, I finished campaign two and I sat like in my chair for like an hour, like after it was over, over, the finale's over. And I'm just like, oh, that's 
over. Like that's like that's all that 114 <laughs> episodes. I have this big like knot in my stomach because I just have you seen all of campaign two? Yes. Okay. So we'll talk about it. So everything Spoiler that, alert. Yeah, spoiler <laughs> alert for everybody because I love campaign two. But after seeing um Caleb, Caleb Widogast story but about his parents and he could have saved him and done this whole thing with Dunamancy and he chooses not to because in the after show Matt Mercer was gonna was saying I gave him the choice I, I I you know I went into the saying if he if he did everything right he could go back in time and we could play that out and he chose not to um I was crying and like afterwards I was like gosh dude I gotta hold my stomach for a week and then campaign three started and for the first like 10 episodes of campaign three I was like I cannot do it I cannot do it and then finally after like 11 12 13 I was like okay and now I really love Orem. I obviously FCG is coolest, and they're all really cool. Laden is my favorite, probably. Um, yeah, so, I, I love I love Campaign Three. They're all a bunch of misfits and super chaotic souls, and I love them. Yeah, it is cool. But I had this hole in my chest, this like show hole, for like a week, where I was like, "Oh my gosh, it's the story <laughs> is over. The Nonagon, everything happened. It's crazy." Um, yeah, okay. I remember definitely freaking out when it was over. Or, yeah. I mean, I knew I had, I could continue to watch campaign three, but I definitely, with my best friend, was like, what do I do? Like, I also like, this happened and this happened. I do recaps for her. So she knows quite a lot about Critical Role, but she doesn't watch it, but she knows quite a lot. It's me giving recaps. <laughs> it's, it's literally like, the weird thing about Dungeons and Dragons or Critical Role, because they go hand in hand, is like trying to explain them to a civilian uh, who doesn't, you know, watch it. Or play mm-hmm. D is like nearly impossible, right? It's like mm-hmm. I can't explain to you why it's so awesome that yeah that Ford slept with Avantika. I can't explain it to you, but <laughs> I'm telling you, it was the coolest, you know. <laughs> or like uh, like uh, crazy. That was crazy. It was super crazy. Or like just Henry. Crab and he Rex. did it. Didn't he do it without Laura? Wasn't there that episode either? And I remember that. Yeah, and I was she, like, oh, I wish she wasn't there. <laughs> she she wasn't there, and then she came back, and she's like, uh, Ford, I saw you were uh, like coming back late. What was that all about? And she was like, totally like <laughs> mad at Avantika for like three days or something. That was very funny. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, so funny. And Henry Crabgrass, oh my gosh, I literally oh, he just pulled that out of nowhere. It, uh, how I, it's it it blows my mind because. Um, she just picks up grass. She's like, I'm going to try community with the grass. And he's like, hey, I'm Henry Crabgrass. I lost it, dude. I lost it. And then the next day I got to show my wife and we replayed it like 10 times. That just goes to show you how good Matt Mercer is because out of yeah. nowhere, he comes up with the best NPC I've ever heard yeah. of and I'm dying laughing. Um, that you'll never forget. And then you, yeah. you make these references outside in the real world and people look at you strange, but... You know what's cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you know what's cool? Is, uh, two rows down from your booth, they had a, uh, they had like a table where they did know about D&D and they were giving out D&D stickers if you rolled, a, you know, if you played rollers with them and won. Um, but I bought a uh, Kiri. I don't know if you remember Kiri from Campaign 2. Yeah. Uh, of course. I got a sticker and it's Kiri and it says, go fuck yourself. And I put it on my DM yeah. screen. I was literally just about to call that. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> yes. It is the coolest. Um, yes. We could talk about Critical Role all day. And for those of you who don't watch Critical Role, um, 
Start watching it. I don't know what to tell you. I'm going to talk about it as much as Do I can. People. Uh, my advice is to start with campaign two. Yeah, I would say That's the same my thing. Advice. Yeah, I say the same um, thing. Yeah. But I, th I think the reason I think that is one, campaign one, the production wasn't 100% there yet. Um, and then Ori and Akabos in the first like 27 episodes. I'm not a huge fan of, of Tiberius, even though I um, like Tiberius, the character, but. No, I skipped those episodes. I skipped to the Briarwood arc, mainly because I knew the Briarwood arc yeah. from the show. Yeah. Um, but I also, I couldn't stand it. And I just was like, nope, next. So yep. I'd say you can totally do it, viewer. Um, you can totally skip to episode 24. Um, but it's been really interesting watching campaign two and three and then going back to campaign one. Mm -hmm. Um, it is very fun to see them like learn how this all works, learn how to, to play together. And you can see how much they've grown yes. <laughs> by, by campaign two. And I like starting a story from the beginning, the meeting in a tavern, you know, yeah. that was, that was worth it to start there. It, it was cool, but I, I think. There's a, there's a few good things with, uh, there's a few like, if I should get a D&D, &D, what should I start to watch first? Stranger Things is one of them. Obviously, it gets people in there. Um, I'm pretty interested in the thing you just showed, this play you just told me about, because I feel like that's another, I feel like after I watch this, that's another thing I'm going to say. If you want to get into D&D, &D, you got to watch this. But, um, but the campaign two is amazing because... They just finished this huge thing with Vecna and everything in Campaign 1, where they had this huge meteoric rise, and all of a sudden it's over, and they're going to start the next campaign. So when you watch Campaign 2, Episode 1, there's so much energy in that episode. Yeah. Especially when they start doing like their voices for the first time, and uh, not you know not the brave. It's like, I'm a little goblin girl. Like, oh yeah, you better believe I'm playing a little goblin girl. Yeah. Um, also, Sam started with an accent, and that quickly, you know, went yeah. away. But he tried. He tried for a hot second. Yeah. If you go back and watch campaign, if you go watch campaign two, and then you go back to episode one, which that's what I did. Honestly, I watched campaign two, and after those first few days, I was like, I just want to go back and watch the first episode again. So me and I did the same thing. Did you really? Okay. Yes, um, because you want to like know where they started. Exactly. I, yeah. You know. Yeah, you get me. You get me. Um, yeah. So that's what that's what we did. Me and my wife sat down and we watched it again, and it was like I still have the emotions of all of campaign two, the Nanagon, Caleb, but also I went back and watched like all their accents are different, which is hilarious. Uh, yes, I I mainly watch. Like when I'm going to bed, I mainly watch recaps from campaign two, like just the funny moments, like just moments I really liked. And, you know, I just yeah. get a lot of joy out of watching <laughs> just random five minute episodes from that whole campaign. Yeah, I think I think I mean, obviously, they're going to they're going to do other things in life and they're going to retire, do whatever they got to do. Obviously, they're going to do all their shows and everything first. So I'm really excited about that. But I think when we look back. You know, 20 years from now, which is you know, super weird to think about. When we look back on Critical Role 20 years from now. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be thinking like, wow, how special was that show? Because it's so much content and it's so much that happens that if you're into it, like you feel like you were with you, you were with them through 114 or 500 episodes, however many you watch, but you're with them through every single death or Vontica or Henry Crabgrass or um, or uh, what's that city called? Uh, City with all the drow in it. I can't remember now. Um, uh, 
and Jorhas. Yeah, Jorhas, um, the Jorhas, mm-hmm. and the Jorhas. Um, yeah, and uh, the wizard that flies. I'm kind of losing my mind now. I can't think of everybody. Trent Ikathon, Ikathon. There's Trent Ikathon, <laughs> but also oh, an Essex. Essex, that's the Essex. one. Yeah. Essex Bayless. Yes, I yeah. might be obsessed with him and Caleb. It's you know, I'm I'm into the ships. Yeah, I like I like that. <laughs> um, there, there was there was one moment. And, uh, viewers, I don't even care anymore. I'm going to talk about Critical Role all day. Um, <laughs> so there was one moment where Essex is they they send a, they send Frumpkin to check on Essex because he's after, acting really weird, and they send him into the yeah. quarters, and they find out that he's double crossing the bright queen mm-hmm. and you're like essek how could you and then you find out the whole story and it's it's really cool so good such a good twist and then not says welcome to the mighty nine and it was really epic and i'm glad he went on that final adventure with them at, in a oh yeah it, and yeah, exactly exactly um but I want to end it with this because I feel like you know what we're gonna do another episode someday, and it's just gonna be like let's talk about okay. critical role because I love it. I can talk about it all day, every day. Awesome, because there's me, you're a true fan. I can tell, and there's like two others that are like ride or die. We all have to get together, and we all have to talk about critical role. Period. Okay. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna do that. We're gonna set up a critical role whole episode. But uh, yes, and we can talk about theories for campaign three if you're caught up. That, uh, I'm on 18, but yes, I think I think I have a lot of theories so far, so uh, we'll talk about it. But I like to end the episode, uh, the podcast, with what do you see yourself and uh, where do you see yourself with D and D in five, ten, and fifteen years? Ooh, um, well, I hope to be playing it a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, whether that I'd like to get you know like my friend group together to play it, um, and then share it with. Um, my niece, no, my niece and nephew, my nephews. Um, I would love, I mean, they're only like five and two, but yeah, eventually, um, you know, I would love to play with them and get them excited about it and get their friends to join in. And I know my brother would totally be into that too. So, cause he's very excited and we actually just got my niece her first dice set. So we're already, you know, putting the seeds for the, the future, but that, that is what I would love to happen with Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. In my life. That's, that's awesome. That's what it's all about. Playing with people and having adventures. So your family is, it's, you know, it goes hand in hand. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so I just want to say thanks for coming on the podcast. It was a great time for anyone who wants to follow you or wants to hire you to be an interior designer in your next dungeon. <laughs> Um, yes. Where do they find you? Where can they get more of you? Um, and where can they buy all the new dungeon uh, tiles and stuff you're going to be making in the future? Uh, okay. Well, you can find me on Instagram at Lotso Design, and it's L O T Z because um, that's my last name. Um, o Design. Uh, and then, um, honestly, you can find me anywhere with that name, and all of my stuff is for sale on Etsy. And my Etsy shop is also called Lotso Design. Um, but those are the two places where you can see my work and see me and what I'm up to. Awesome. Uh, yeah, check her out. Um, also, whenever we get our uh, dungeon made, I will give her a shout out and everyone's going to hire her uh, to do their home <laughs> dungeons. Um, but otherwise, uh, thanks everyone. Uh, thanks Emily for showing up. 
And then next time we do this, it's going to be a D and it's going to be a critical role panel. So be excited for that in the future. Um, otherwise, everyone, we will see you next time. And um